Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. On the other side of the resurrection, God's plan for our redemption continues and his resurrection power is on the move. Today we're going back into the book of Acts, the story of God's grace flooding out to the world as the good news of salvation in Jesus spreads to the ends of the earth and we are continuing with our sermon series on momentum. So let's just dive into the text right away today. Break out those Bibles or follow along with me if you will in your bulletins or on the screen here and let's grab hold of this Holy Spirit momentum that proclaims God's saving power for all people and also invites us to participate in a story that is much bigger than we are. Now we're continuing the Acts narrative from last week where a man who sat at the temple gates each week was healed by Peter in the name of Jesus Christ. Immediately his legs and ankles were strengthened, right? Remember, this was like the Captain America thing with the serum. He got up, he started praising God. The people wanted to know what happened and so Peter told them he was not healed by his own power or his own piety. This man was healed by the name of Jesus Christ. And Luke's Luke, the author of Acts, he moves really rapidly from Peter's speech to the people to the reaction of some upset people who interrupt what Peter is saying. Now, for posterity's sake, I actually included verses 1 through 4. So you're going to have to look at the screen here or me in your Bibles. And it says that the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The priests, the captain of the temple guard, and the Sadducees interrupt them because, like Luke had explained in his gospel back in chapter 20, the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. And so Luke knows that they are greatly disturbed, could also be translated annoyed because of the teaching of Jesus' resurrection and probably too because they're talking about Jesus. Those are two things that those duders did not like, am I right? So they decide what is the best thing to do? Arrest them. But despite the arrest of Peter and John, the text let us know that many more people came to believe. It says that the number of adult men who believed grew to about 5,000. For even when Jesus' witnesses are imprisoned, the word continues to spread and the church grows. You might call that momentum. When official sanctions can't prevent a significant number of Jews in Jerusalem from becoming followers of Jesus, when torture and death and persecution and famine and nakedness can't prevent people from becoming followers of Jesus, you might call that momentum too. And here we see Peter and John first. And soon in the book of Acts, we'll see many more show us that when believers have the willingness and the grace to suffer for the name of Jesus, it leads to a greater spread of the gospel. For you better believe that the growth and momentum of the church is unstoppable, no matter what hindrances are placed on it. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other of the high priest's family. Luke here is emphasizing that the entire Jewish leadership is present to judge Peter and John in this gathering. For this high court of the Sanhedrin would be the same court that had tried Jesus. 
rulers, probably referring to the 71 member of the Sanhedrin, and it's headed by those elders, scribed, and this high priest class. And I love that Luke gives us a little who's who here in the high priestly family. Now we got Annas, who is the former high priest. We got Caiaphas, you remember him, right? He's the current high priest. We got John, he is the son of Annas, and he'll be the high priest next. And then we got Alexander, and I didn't dig deep enough to tell you who he is related to exactly, but he's there, and that's cool. Now they had Peter and John before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? This question was the same one that Peter had already answered before the Jewish crowd at the temple. When he told them that the healing wasn't done by him, the healing was done by faith in the name of Jesus. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, but I want to take you back to two things before I tell you what he said. The first is to remember that way back in Luke chapter 12, Jesus is instructing his disciples to not be afraid. In Luke 12, he says, don't be afraid when you are brought to trial for your faith. When they take you before synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how or what your defense will be or about what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that moment what you should say. We are about to see the fulfillment of Jesus' promise. Second thing I want to point out to you is Peter's been asked to speak about Jesus before, to give an account, three times, actually. And this same Peter, who cowered before the serving girl, now fearlessly confronts the Sanhedrin because he is full of the Holy Spirit, because he is filled with the tremendous momentum that comes from a resurrected Jesus, who pours out a spirit of wisdom and courage without limit, who gives a rushing momentum, surging with power and confidence when it comes time to speak. Peter is not going to stammer here. He is not going to call down curses on himself for the predicament that he finds himself in. He's not going to move to another spot in the fire. He's not going to hide or try to get out of it. He will be just a man who acted first and now speaks by the Spirit and says, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Just the facts here. Just one sentence long. Here is a response that is given by the Spirit. It is a bold response. It is succinct and direct And it was so good that I read it like 20 times and did that thing where you giggle because you don't know how to respond. So you just giggle because something is so amazing. Friends, this is the owning of what you believe. Here is the participation by Peter in the momentum. The no stopping this right now or ever. I wish I could have seen this. I wish I could have been present to see this moment right here. Because in my mind, It's just like this. There's the the 71 people, right? They're angry. They're trying to settle everyone down in the room. It's kind of like Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix, Chapter 5, you know, where Harry's like getting arrested. Does everyone remember that? We know what I'm talking about. They're sitting in the circle. They're looking down. They're in their robes. They're standing there. Peter and John are alone. Peter and John, they're alone in the middle. I think finally Caiaphas, he settles down the room and he asks the question. And all the leaders, they kind of shift in their seat. They lean into here. In my mind, Peter pauses for three, 
maybe four seconds, lets the room really quiet down and says, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. I bet in that room there was not a single gasp. There wasn't a boo. There wasn't a a shaking of the head or fists in anger or disbelief. There was just absolute silence and staring at Peter. He says, you've arrested me for healing someone? An act of love? You already know how this happened. You thought you had finished it when you killed him. But God has not stopped by death. Get ready. And then he quotes scripture to them. The same scripture that Jesus quoted from Psalm 118 when he told these very men a little story. A story we call the parable of the tenants. If you're not familiar with that one, it's the one where a man owns a vineyard. He rented it out to some workers. And when he was ready to collect the harvest, he sent some delegates to get it. Well, the workers beat them, sent them away empty-handed. Finally, the man decides to send his son. Surely they'll listen to him. When they see the son, they think they can kill him and take it all for themselves and be in charge and forever. So they kill the son. Jesus drops that parable and then says this verse that Peter says too. This Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. I bet that room is still silent. But I bet that parable... And that moment with Jesus where he said that verse is right there in that mind. It comes rushing back in that, oh wait, where have I heard this verse before kind of thing. And Peter's not done bringing this verse to light for us Christians. He'll bring this verse up again later, later in his letter in chapter 2. He'll go on to tell us that Jesus is a living stone and all who put their faith in him will live too. And then in a truly extraordinary way, He closes the discussion and confesses salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Peter's declaration is the most absolute and universal statement in scripture of salvation in Jesus Christ alone. The fisher of men, this leader and reconciled shepherd of the restored people of God proclaims to the Sanhedrin that God has made his son Jesus the one and only way for the salvation of the human race. Now I know what you're thinking. But when I read the email the church sends out each week on Thursday, it said momentum of healing. Where's the healing at? The man? Well, he was healed. But that verse didn't get read. That was last week. You can't do it twice. The leaders? Is this like uh, John chapter 9 where the blind man is healed and then Jesus talks about spiritual blindness and the Pharisees don't get it? Is this like they have no choice but to be healed and saved by Jesus or deny Jesus once again? Is Peter healed? Because before he was afraid to speak but now filled with the Holy Spirit he's bold and brave? And what about us? Where's our healing? What are we supposed to take away? I mean, apart from hearing this story, and we already knew that salvation was in Jesus alone. Where's the healing? 
Because I don't know about you, I've been hurting lately. Maybe all that is the healing. A man who couldn't walk was healed in guilt and ignorance and pride. Murder was committed, but healing is still offered to those who would repent and believe. A man was afraid, and now he is not. And maybe, just maybe, the healing comes from speaking. From you bearing witness to the name of Jesus. Maybe this time with this story, since you know and confess that Jesus is your salvation, I heard you do it. The healing will come for someone else when you speak to what you have witnessed. How even when you suffer, even though you are hurting, your hope remains in Jesus. Why do you think people ask to be put on the prayer list each and every week? Because they have hope, and by by the people of God coming together and uniting their hearts and spirits, God will hear and bring healing. Will you speak their names? Will you pray their names? Or will you pass over them? Will you bear witness to the peace and serenity that you have in Christ Jesus in spite of the chaotic time in which we live? Will you bear witness to the certainty that you hold to when relative truth is the new deep? Because suicide and depression and anger are at an all-time high. And we need to bear witness to the name of Jesus Christ. Bearing witness must exceed the need. Will you find ways to still serve and love while others just walk past? Speak up instead of staying silent. I ask you this for the healing of others. What would you endure? Perhaps you can bear witness with your words to the healing that Jesus Christ has done in your life. Maybe you will speak to what he has done for you like the crippled man did. Maybe you spent time in darkness, swearing you were right, living a way you thought was right, turns out you were wrong, but now, now that you have seen, have heard, have received, now that you have been healed, hear and hear. You will speak and act. And perhaps like Peter used to be, you are afraid. You've struggled to speak. Don't feel comfortable. Don't know exactly what you're going to say. Don't feel equipped enough because you always stammer. You got nothing but the name of Jesus. That's all you know. I wonder if you think that will be enough. Because Peter spoke and acted in love. And right now, Today, tomorrow, and every day forward is the time to participate in the healing momentum of Jesus Christ by speaking it and by living it. Now is the time to become more than conquerors who have been given salvation because your table is prepared and you have been anointed by the Spirit in your baptism, armed to fight the good fight. You have hearts that are assured in the truth of love and the same Spirit that emboldened and guided Peter is the same Spirit that rests in you. And you see the pattern, don't you? Peter did not walk by the crippled man, but he acted. He acted as he had seen Jesus do. And then because he was filled with the Spirit, he spoke. Now I'd like to think, because of all the other times we're going to see Peter in Acts, we're going to see him praying and talking about the importance of prayer. That he gave a little prayer before he spoke in those three to four seconds before he said what he said to the Sanhedrin. 
A prayer asking for the words because the words aren't his anyway. He prayed and then he spoke about what he knew. Spoke about the truth about what had happened. And then he brought in scripture. And friends, I think that's a good pattern to follow when being a witness to the healing momentum that exists in Jesus Christ and that the world desperately needs. The pattern is this. Take a step and draw close to someone and act. Then I want you to pray, to speak, and to use scripture. To draw close to someone and act. To pray, to speak, and to use scripture. I cannot promise you that you will find healing for the pain and discomfort in your life when you do this. For a lot of folks, and it ended up bringing them suffering and hardship as they bared that cross. But I can promise you that the healing will be extended when you do. Because the text says they seized Peter and John, put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard believed. And the number grew. And if we don't, who will? Our time. It's us. Nobody else. You and me. We will act. We will pray. We will speak. And we will use scripture. Because we have to. For salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name in heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. You bear that name. And we, together, share that name.